feel like I'm in the wild, which I like very much. Welcome to the table this morning. This is the first Sunday of Lent. We began the season of Lent on Wednesday with Ash Wednesday, and people will continue to find their seats. I'm modeling, yes, it's okay to bring in your beverages. You see that? Because believe it or not, some churches don't let that happen. So that would not be us. As we move into this season of Lent, we're um, going to begin with some music that uh, I hope will serve to dial us down a little bit. We'll dial it back up in a few minutes, but I want to encourage everyone wherever you are, here, at home, or out online, to take a breath and to let it out and to sink into this song and um, then we'll have some poetry and some more music and we're just going to stay seated. Of course, you're always welcome to move to the candles if you feel prompt within for prayer. That is always appropriate. So let's take another breath and let it out.
I go among trees and sit still. All my stirring becomes quiet around me like circles on water. My tasks lie in their places where I left them, asleep like cattle. Then what is afraid of me comes and lives a while in my sight. What it fears in me leaves me, and the fear of me leaves it. It sings, and I hear its song. Then what I am afraid of comes. I live for a while in its sight. What I fear in it leaves it, and the fear of it leaves me. It sings, and I hear its song. After days of labor, mute in my consternations, I hear my song at last, and I sing it. As we sing, the day turns, the trees move.
peace. Welcome. My name is Sarneet Prasad, and I'm our Sunday morning coordinator here at the table. We are grateful to be together, both in person and online, as we begin the Lent journey together with a worship series called Sabbath Rest, Wendell Berry, and Sabbath Poetry of Lent. For those of us gathering online, at table.live, Chloe is with you as our host this morning. Please message her in the chat if you have questions or need assistance. Today's bulletin is available with a QR code in the century, and a link will be shared for those online. Our finance team committed 2,500 to support our neighbors recovering from devastating earthquake in Turkey and Syria through the United Methodist Community on Relief. Your gift last week raised the total to just over 4,000, and I really want to give a clap for that. Hundred percent of our gifts will be go directly to those in need, and we hope you will join in giving generously by making a gift today. We will process a final check this week. If you would like to learn more about our community of faith, please text the word new to the number on the screen. We will celebrate baptism at sunrise on Easter morning in the Rose Garden at McKelney Park. If you'd like to learn more about the possibility of baptism for you or, a or for your child in your family, please join our pastors for orientation to baptism in the century after worship next Sunday, March 5th. Learn more and sign up on our website. When you feel ready to connect with others and learn more about the table, our co-pastors lead a series called Growing in Faith which is designed to help newcomers learn more and how we share life here together at the table. Registration is full for Growing in Faith, which begins tonight, and our next Growing in Faith series will be held on Tuesday evening from 6 to 7.30, beginning April 18th. Learn more and sign up on our website at tableumc.org, thetableumc.org. I told Pastor Matt this morning that I will share an embarrassment, embarrassing moment. So two weeks ago, I, on Monday, I received a text from Pastor Matt that our communion table was still outside. And I was, I was like, oh my God, if I could just sink in here right now. And at that moment, I realized that I do sometimes I need people to help me out and because there's so many things going on in the morning and when I do a cleanup. And that's Sunday I didn't had actually I didn't had anyone sign up for that Sunday to clean up. So I was doing all everything together at once and I don't know what at that moment what fell through those cracks and I really feel very very devastated. But also, there was a candle that was lit. 
And I, I shared this, this moment with someone, and he said, it's a miracle that it survived till Monday. <laughs> I said, yes, God was with me. It's <laughs> like, oh my God. So I do have a sign-up sheet today. <laughs> that Pastor Matt will share it with all of you. Is, is what you really want to say, sign up or the church is going to burn down? <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I have a biggest fear of fire. I have a phobia for fire. And when I heard that, I was shaking. And I'm literally shaking right now just thinking about a candle being lit till all the way till Monday. So, yeah. <laughs> Please sign up. Uh, I do want, I do need volunteers to, to help me clean up, at least, you know, in the afternoon. And uh, we are going to change our system from uh, Sign Up Genius to Planning Center. Pro. So now from going onwards, I'll be sending, linking you with Planning Center and sending out a link for all of you to sign up electronically and we have a uh, clipboard that is going on or uh, manually you can just put your name. So yeah, I wanted to share that. <laughs> I invite you to stand as you're willing and able and to join our voices together as we continue to move in worship with our music team sharing, Don't Let Him Ride. Don't let him ride. 
morning. My name is Karen Morrison and I serve on the church's administrative board. I want to invite our children to move with our teachers upstairs to our godly place sanctuary and our musicians will help us with some walking music as a part of that. Godly Play is our ministry with children on Sunday mornings. Storytellers share stories from scripture and invite children to wonder about the mystery and love of God. Godly Play is designed for children in elementary school and complements our loving and professional child care for our youngest children in the A-frame that occurs throughout worship. Our reading this morning comes from Matthew chapter 4, the first 11 verses. I'll be sharing from the First Nations translation, an indigenous translation of the New Testament, and I invite you to follow along. Creator sets free, Jesus, followed the guidance of the Spirit, who took him into the desert wilderness to be tested by accuser, Satan, the evil trickster snake. For context, in the story of creation, the first man and woman lived in a garden of beauty and harmony. A sly and crafty snake came to them and twisted the words of the great spirit to deceive them. They listened to the snake, lost the life of beauty and harmony, and fell under the curse of death. This snake, who opposes creator's good road, is the evil spirit who rules over all evil spirits. For 40 days and nights, Creator sets free, ate nothing. His body became weak and his hunger grew strong. When the evil snake saw that Creator sets free was weak and hungry, he came to him and whispered in his ear, are you the son of the great spirit? He hissed, prove it by turning these stones into fry bread. The sacred teachings are clear, Creator Sets Free said. Human beings cannot live only on fry bread, but on all the words that come from the mouth of the Great Spirit. The evil trickster then took him to the Great Spirit's sacred lodge in Village of Peace, Jerusalem. He set him at the very top, high above the village. Prove that you are the son of the Great Spirit and jump down from here, the evil snake taunted him. Don't, do not the sacred teachings also say his spirit messengers will watch over you to keep you from harm? They will even keep your foot from hitting a stone. Yes, creator sets free, said back to him, but they also say, do not test the great spirit. Once more, the evil trickster took him to a high mountain and showed him all the great nations of the world with their power and beauty. All of these I will give you, the snake said smoothly, if you will highly honor me and walk in my ways. Get away from me, accuser, he responded, for it is written in the sacred teachings, the great spirit is the only one to honor and serve. The evil trickster could think of nothing more to test him with, so he slithered away to wait for another time. Then spirit messengers came to give comfort and strength to creator sets free. Word of God for the people of God. As our musicians move down, I invite us into a spirit of prayer. 
God, may the depths of your love be felt in this moment. May your hope for the world be stirred within our hearts. May our souls be emboldened to listen deeply for your love in this time. And may our hearts be led that we might join with your healing. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be aligned with your love now and always. Amen. Starting worship with Satan and the devil. Awesome. It brings up stuff for a lot of people. We really have to begin a worship series. It's called Sabbath Rest. Do we have to start with the devil? Well, I want to suggest that it's probably the case that for at least a few of us in this room, just the mention of devil, Satan, brings up some unmetabolized trauma that we hold in our bodies Trauma related to some of the wounds that have been inflicted upon us, for some of us upon our children, in the name of devil, Satan. I actually can remember in my very bones, the very first time that I was told that my questions about God, about Jesus, about the world, were of the Antichrist. It was an intervarsity leader while I was in college, and they, they didn't directly say that I was being the devil. But as so many of us know, there's a thin line between being called the devil and being accused of questions that are of the devil. Most English translations translate the Greek word Diablo in Matthew 4 as devil or Satan. But Diablo more literally means the accuser, the accuser. So the First Nations translation or version that Karen just shared for us is far closer to the original Greek. It says for us, creator sets free, followed the guidance of the spirit who took him up into the desert wilderness to be tested by the accuser, Satan, the evil trickster. It's common in some expressions of Christianity, to celebrate Jesus' temptation in the wilderness than we encounter here in Matthew 4 as a testament to Jesus' strength and perseverance, to his divine capacity to stoically and piously endure pain and adversity. The expression of Christianity that conflates questioning with the devil typically reads this story, Matthew 4, in just that way. From their vantage, Jesus' time in the wilderness is a testimony of and a call to close-fisted fortitude and strength. The evil trickster tries to lure Jesus to comfort. You're hungry. Turn the stone to bread. And Jesus, though he's famished, he declines, he overcomes those weak feelings of hunger, turns them off like a light switch, as they sing in the Book of Mormon. The evil trickster then tries again, this time mocking Jesus more directly, prove that you're God's beloved, jump from here off and let God rescue you, taunting again 
Doesn't it say in the sacred teachings, God's angels will keep your feet even from hitting a stone? And on this reading, on this vantage, from this vantage, Jesus is, is less about the gentle way of judo and more like an MMA fighter who's retaliating Bible verse for Bible verse, coming back at someone. The evil trickster is still not done. There's a third tactic. This time it's luring Jesus to glory. All the kingdoms down there, all of them can be yours. And this time Jesus mans up as they sing in that same musical, standing and sending the accuser away. And Jesus' close-fisted fortitude will not let the devil drive. Plenty of pastors would have us believe that we're called when tempted by the devil to turn off those feelings. Feelings like hunger, feelings that are actually grounded in our own bodies. They would call us to, to weaponize scripture in our own defense, manning up like Jesus sending the devil away. And this morning, I hope to share with us a contrarian possibility, a way that we might approach this text otherwise, reading Matthew 4 together as we begin this Lenten journey with Jesus in the wilderness around Sabbath rest, because so often the voices of the accuser keep us from ever finding Sabbath rest. Salt Project's Reverend Dr. Matthew Meyer Bolton beautifully describes this contrarian call of the text, suggesting that the call of this story is not toward closed-fisted fortitude, but rather actually about being Jesus' embodiment of, sorry, but rather toward open-handed, open-hearted, humble, humbling trust. They say that the devil is in the details. And in this case, the case of Matthew 4, it turns out that historically the details of this story and where they, they take us will help us to move from reading this as Jesus' closed-fisted fortitude to actually being about Jesus' embodiment in the wilderness of open-handed and open-hearted, humble, humbling trust. Matthew Meyer Bolton's uh, writings and his blog and his podcast have helped me to reflect on this text this week, a text that's actually rooted in the story of Moses, the book of Deuteronomy. All of that is underneath what happens in Matthew 4. Much like Jesus is led by the Spirit into the wilderness for 40 days, the Israelites, the people of God, were led by the Spirit into the wilderness for 40 years. So why might Jesus be driven from the River Jordan up into the wilderness? And why might the people of God promise to prepare for the promised land by living on manna, live in the wilderness for 40 years? Matthew Meyer Bolton writes that according to Moses, if the Israelites had entered the land of milk and honey, they would have misinterpreted the abundance as a result of their own efforts rather than a graceful gift of God. They would have said to themselves, my power and my might, the might of my own hand, have gotten me this. But the truth, Moses insists, is that God is the true source of every good gift, from the luxuries of milk and honey to a simple loaf of bread. 
So I want to suggest this morning that Moses might be one of the very first to experiment with land-based experiential learning. Living for 40 years on daily provisions of manna, not hoarding, trusting God to provide day by day by day. Out on the land among the people who've been living this experiential lesson together, Moses delivers this iconic line. God fed you daily with manna in order to make you understand that one does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. So, so when the evil trickster lures Jesus to comfort, saying, you're hungry, turn the stone to bread, Jesus doesn't refuse because he's stoically capable of turning his feelings off like a light switch. No. Jesus is, is rooted, rooted in the story of his own ancestors and their humble spirit. And now that same spirit, those ancestors are living with him as he vulnerably trusts God to God's careful provision. When the evil trickster then mocks Jesus, mocks Jesus for vulnerably trusting like the ancestors, prove you're God's beloved. If you trust God, jump off, God will rescue you. Doesn't it say just that, that the angels will be with you? Far from weaponizing the text in opposition to the evil trickster, Jesus, it seems to me, embodies the gentle way of Judo. Recognizing that we're all always interpreting these texts, Jesus sidesteps the one and offers another way, reminding the accuser and all of us with ears to hear that trusting God to be God means that we have no reason for putting God to any test. And so then when the evil trickster swings a third time at Jesus, this time tempting to glory, all the kingdoms down there can be yours. Jesus is refusing to man up in the way fetishized today by toxic masculinity, and he's unmasking the accuser's call to lord over the world, choosing instead to move from closed-fisted fortitude to open-hearted, open-handed humility, a path of descent into humble solidarity with God's suffering world. Matthew Meyer Bolton describes it powerfully. Indeed, the devil tempts Jesus toward fortitude and self-sufficiency, at least as the world often defines them. Sustain yourself. Prove yourself. Rule the world. Jesus declines to pursue this path, testifying instead to his own insufficiency apart from God, the fountain of blessings at the center of Jesus' life. Thus, we begin this Lenten journey, invited to wonder together about whom are we placing our trust in for nourishment? Whom do we trust to love and care for us? Whom do we trust with our longings for purpose and meaning in life? The accuser whispers in our ears, for nourishment, don't trust God, trust yourself. For loving care, really, God. 
If you believe that, jump down. See if God will rescue you. And for your purpose, your meaning, don't trust God. Trust me. I don't pretend to know what the voice of the accuser sounds like for each of you. At times in my own life, the voice of the accuser has been really, really loud. You're not valuable, worthy, simply because you're a child of God. You need to prove yourself. Oftentimes, the voice of the accuser is more subtle, more insidious. It can even be hard at times to know if the whisper is coming from the evil trickster or a benevolent one. Don't trust the path of dissent, which leads to the suffering world that God so loves. Rise above it all. Make the world around you into the one you desire. The one you already know is best for everyone. I've come to believe that my capacity to discern when the voices are of the accuser and when they are of God requires constant practices of slowing down, keeping Sabbath, stopping. I have personal practices like so many of us do to, to help me do just that. Daily devotional time in the morning of, of readings with Steve Garnis Holmes and others. Daily rhythms of taking time apart for silence. But I find most helpful our weekly practices in our kitchen tables. The weekly rhythm like this of coming together for worship. A time in which we prayerfully discern not alone in private, but together through silence and song through prayerful reflection in community. After worship last Sunday, an intergenerational group of folks, I think there were 14 of us in total, we got in cars and we caravaned. We drove up in the afternoon and evening to slow down and reflect upon where the Spirit of God might be guiding our community of faith as we discern how and where to relocate Table Farm, which is now down in Hollywood Park on the backside of an elementary school. You might say that the Spirit drove us up into the wilderness. These wilderness that we went to were up near Chico, and we went for a day of our own land-based experiential learning together about regenerative farming. And we got to do this at the home of Kara and Paul Tupi and their three children. They live on this land along with Kara's parents, and they invited us up for a time, something perhaps like what Wendell Berry says, we went among the trees and sat still. For the afternoon and the evening, the tasks which consume us were left in their places asleep like cattle. We reflected upon the challenges and the opportunities with relocating Table Farm, given the choice by St. Robert, both the parish and the school, to sell the land upon which we've been growing food alongside neighbors to give away through an interfaith food bank, and St. Roberts is making that choice because they have years and decades and generations of deferred maintenance. And like so many churches, they're on an end. They see an end. And we're selling things off to keep things seemingly alive. In this case, literally displacing a 
farm where we're growing food alongside neighbors. We dared to, to make space for what we're afraid of. We reflected upon those challenges. The sheep and donkeys serenaded us. We slowed down. Kara and Paul's children, they became our teachers. Nine-year-olds, 10-year-olds, 12-year-olds. The horses became our teachers as well. And my sense is that as we arrive, those horses and those children, they might have had some trepidation about this group of people pulling up to their farm. If not fear, actually. Yet as we took our time, whatever they feared within us left us. And they sang, as Wendell Berry says, and we could hear their songs. And then we dared to make space for what we're afraid to come. We lived for a while in the sight of that which we fear. We gave voice together to the non-negotiable things that we most fear losing in this ministry created during pandemic called Table Farm as it inevitably continues to evolve. We sat in chairs and looked out over the land, land that had been charred to ash just a few years ago by fire. We could not help but witness God's healing, regenerative work on display. The land itself reminding us of what we are afraid of may come. And it may come in and live for a while in our sight. And what we fear in it, though, will leave. And the fear of it will leave us. It will sing. And we will hear its song. We closed our Sabbath day by breaking bread, bread which was kneaded and baked by Chloe alongside other volunteers and folks from our community who are practicing their faith by slowing down to the rhythms of sourdough in Table Bread's new kitchen just down the hallway. Lily and Jackson gathered vegetables. Kelsey sliced them. Lisa cubed squash. Linda rested, as Eleanor wrote. Julianne pressed lemon after lemon after lemon. Denise and Andy and Bob prepared tables. And Aaron sat after days of labor and mothering, mute in her consternations as the sun set. And we all heard our song at last. And we sang it. And as we were singing, the day turned and the trees moved. I wonder how you might practice slowing down, keeping Sabbath in the days ahead. I wonder if going among the trees and sitting still might be a step toward discerning the false whispers of the accuser in our ears. Perhaps an afternoon of land-based experiential learning could help you recognize that evil trickster's insidious lure 
that reminds us in so many different ways for nourishment. Don't trust God. Trust yourself. And then it mocks us for loving care. Are you really going to turn to God? And then for your purpose and meaning, don't trust God. Trust me. Friends, the Spirit has driven us up into a wilderness, often tempting us toward closed-fisted fortitude and the illusion of self-sufficiency. May we go among trees and sit still, listening once more to our own insufficiencies apart from God, the fountain of blessings at the center of life, And may our listening quiet all the fears around us and within us, giving way for us to join in singing God's song of love as the day turns and the trees move. Amen. Jesus invited all of his closest companions long, long ago to join him at their table for a meal. In our minds, it was just like every other meal in so many ways. And in that same way in which we come together around tables every day, to renew and refresh our bodies, Jesus calls us now to gather around and share in this feast. But as we prepare to come for this feast, this feast of common union, we want to take some time to slow down even more in silence and contemplation and let rise within us whatever it is for us that acknowledges the ways we are right now falling short of living into God's vision for how our world and community might be more loving, more connected. And so we're going to have some collective silence And as always, our silence is accompanied by our music team in those soft tones, holding in our hearts whatever brokenness we might be experiencing right now, holding in our hearts how we feel trapped up against a rock in a hard place, complicit to hurting from, and even longing to have the courage to turn away only for a moment from those ways in which we are not walking with God. So let us offer this time of silence as our prayer of confession. Let us pray.
is the God of who is God, creator, redeemer, sustainer. It is, has been, will be making all things new. You are a forgiven, beloved child of God. And you are blessed by God this day and for our Lenten journey ahead. With one voice, may we say amen. Amen. I invite us to move into the call and response that is the church's practice for recognizing the presence of God in each and every neighbor around us. I invite those of us in the sanctuary to stand as you're willing and able. Friends, may the peace of Christ be with you. chaos when water and earth had yet to take shape. God the sculptor, the painter, the creator touched the swirling mass. God's hand separated earth from water and water from sky. God touched the earth and plants turned green and fruit began to grow ripe and to celebrate God through holy fireworks in the skies, placing stars in the heavens. God touched oceans and rivers and ponds and swimming beings made waves in the water and God reached to the sky and things with wings took flight and God looked upon all of this and said, this is good. And when everything else was done, God took clay and formed an image of God's own self and breathed into it God's own breath. He said, you're the one I've been imagining. You and all of the world around you, my beloved creation, all of this is good. But it wasn't good for long. The people couldn't discern the voice of the accuser from the voice of God. So God placed the love and the hope and the possibility inside a holy, holy human being named Jesus. And God set that human being on earth to remind us of all that God has made us to be and call us to abide in God's unfolding grace. all that he could to tell us how much God loves us and to show us 
how to love one another, but we couldn't accept that and we couldn't agree about it and we became afraid. And in the end, Jesus was given away by the very ones who thought they loved him best because the challenge was just too great for them. But before he was taken, Jesus gathered all of his friends around a table and promised them and promises us that he would never leave us alone, but will come back and take us home with him. And like those longest to go companions, we don't always understand the message Jesus brings to us or what his coming and going and coming again means to us. And we can still be grateful and sing the mystery that is our faith. night Jesus gathered his friends he took simple food that was their Passover meal he took bread and wine and he blessed them and he gave thanks to God saying I am sharing this meal with you now so that you may gather together and whenever you do do so in remembrance of me us into prayer now, praying together words that Jesus shared with his followers long ago, generations ago, and they have been passed to us throughout the centuries, and the church has codified them and named them the Lord's Prayer, and at the same time, we encourage you to address God in the way that is deepest in your heart. Let us pray. Our, Our mother, who, who art, art in, in heaven, heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever Pour your spirit, God, upon each of us gathered here and spread through many places. Pour your spirit upon the gifts which are before us. Make these gifts the body and the love of Christ. And make us, through this feast, Christ's body and love alive in the world. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Whether you are in this room, whether you are at home, wherever we all are, all are welcome to the table of God's love. And when we say all, we mean everyone. We encourage those of us who are gathering at home or outside the sanctuary to bring close to you your bread and your juice, however you have uh, made that ready for yourself. Here in the sanctuary, it's been a little cold and rainy, so we're going to have communion uh, in the area in which you entered the sanctuary, which means that we're going to, by Sarnit's direction, go out the back from the back of the sanctuary, right? So the first shall be last today, right? Um, 
and then we'll come around and come back in through that door. And always when you come back in, just make your way to your seat. It's a big divine dance. That's what I feel like it is. And we all move together watching over each other in this time of co common union. If you've never done anything like this before, that is a-okay. If you are a person who makes this a life practice, that is a-okay. Either way and somewhere in between, know that you can't mess it up. You can't make a mistake, just we watch over each other and I truly mean that. Um, there are also places to slow down and pray. You're already seated, so that's one place because some of us don't even do that, right, during our week. But there are places to stand or kneel and candles to be lit if that calls to you as a way to uh, help you listen for what God might be saying to you this day. Friends, this is the bread of life and the body of Christ broken for you in the cup of God's love and forgiveness poured out for all.
encourage those praying with candles to stay for just as long as you desire. God, may the depth of your love be shown to us in this holy mystery, this divine dance through which you were revealed to all of creation and the breaking of bread and the sharing of cup. May your peace make us one and call us into the world to love, to love in the ways and in the hope of Jesus our Christ. Amen. We hope that you will continue wondering about the next steps that God might have in your life, whether that is to move from this place and connect with others just outside or online. Some of us may be led to wonder about baptism and the possibility of being baptized or a person in our family. Pastor Linda and I will be here after worship next Sunday to reflect with folks on that possibility. If you'd like, we would love to have you join us for that conversation. It does not commit you to anything in that way. Many of us make giving generously to this community one of the ways that we join with God's healing love in the world. And we would invite you to join with us in sharing of your own resources. You can again make gifts today that we will share through the United Methodist Committee on Relief with those recovering from earthquakes. And you may give to support the ministries here in this space. We also have new volunteer hours. Table Farm will be relocating next fall, but for now we're gonna grow alongside neighbors one more time and then share through an interfaith food bank and our new hours are there on the screen and we commend those to you. And Table Bread is taking subscriptions for March. I think there are just like two left. So if you would like them, I would suggest that you go on your phone now. And um, if we fill them up, it means we have to make more bread soon. Linda is good on the math. <laughs> no, she's not. She's good on keeping us moving. So we are going to move out this day with a blessing, a blessing that our musicians will share with us. For those in the sanctuary, I invite you to stand as you're willing and able. If you desire to join your voice, you are welcome, or just to sink into the beauty of this moment and allow this song to be your blessing.
peace of God lead us to go among trees and sit still, listening and discerning for the voice of the accuser and allowing God to quiet that voice. And then embolden God's love for you and God's love for the world. Go in peace.